And I do invite you this morning to take out your little booklet. And again, as I've said in the past, I don't want this to come across as contradictory to what we've said in the past. We come together to pray together, to pray with one accord. We use the Word of God to pray together, to unite our hearts together to prayer. And just to make clear, unless some, someone might say, well, it doesn't look like we're using the, God, the Word of God to unite our hearts to prayer. We are. Uh, the theme of this book is wrapped around one verse from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Uh, the passage there, looking unto Jesus, looking unto him, keeping both eyes fixed upon him. And if you recall back to when I preached through the uh, book of Hebrews or just various discussions we've had in some of our groups, looking unto Jesus, there's a, a twin instruction there, a twofold instruction. Uh, in order to look unto Jesus, you have to first look off something. You have to look off all other things so that you can secondly look unto Jesus. And that's where this little booklet is helpful because it gives us some wise instruction, some very clear ways we can look unto Jesus that maybe we ourselves just in that moment aren't always clear thinking on. And then some very wise things that we need to look off of that maybe we don't always understand we need to look off of. Maybe we don't understand we're gazing upon them and not Christ. And so we're using this booklet to help us unite our hearts around uh, Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Um, and so last week we began, it's, this book is broken down in that two sections on pages 1, 2, or pages 1 through 5. It's look unto Jesus in these aspects. These aren't the only ones, but these are some great helps to meditate upon. And then beginning on page 6, You'll, be, you'll see it says, looking unto Jesus and at nothing else. And then for the rest of the little booklet, it's looking unto Jesus and not on. And then he just gives some very, very wise counsel. Uh, and we're going to pray through these things together. Last Lord's Day, we began praying through that first on page one, looking unto Jesus in the scripture. And also praying through those first three, look unto Jesus and not unto, beginning on page six, not at ourselves, not at the world, not at Satan. And so that will be our continual practice uh, for this foreseeable future. Taking one aspect of the look unto Jesus and then about three of the and don't look at. And we'll use these together to ask the Lord to help us to fix our gaze upon Jesus in these ways. So on page one in your booklet. We'll look at the second, looking unto Jesus. And the third, actually. Looking unto Jesus, crucified, to find in his shed blood our ransom, our pardon, our peace. Looking unto Jesus, Christ crucified. Turn the page. Also looking unto Jesus, risen, to find in him the risen Christ, the righteousness which alone makes us righteous and permits us all unworthy as we are to draw near with boldness in his name to him who is his father and our father, his God and our God. Looking unto Jesus, the crucified one, the resurrected one. And where do we look unto Jesus? It's not just we look to our imaginations and we sit back and we try to think, let me think about the crucifixion. Go there. Look unto Jesus himself. I want to read this morning from Mark, Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 15. 
passage you're familiar with, and just let the eyes of your heart gaze upon the wonder of Christ crucified and resurrected. Mark 15, verse 33, And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. Skipping down, and when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, and summoning the centurion, he asked whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone from us, for us, from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Why afraid? Dead people don't come back to life unless they are the Son of God. Look at on page 7 as we prepare to pray. And not at our creeds. No matter how evangelical they may be, the faith which saves, that we just sang about, which sanctifies and which comforts, is not giving assent to the doctrine of salvation. Think Nicodemus there. It's not giving assent to the doctrine of salvation. It's being united to the person of the Savior. It is not enough, said Adolf Menod, I think grandfather of Theodore. It is not enough to know about Jesus Christ. It is necessary to have Jesus Christ. To this one may add that no one truly knows him if he does not first possess him. According to the profound saying of the beloved disciple, it is in the life there is light, and it is in Jesus there is life. To look at Jesus, we've got to look off of our profession of faith 
It's not our profession that saves. It's not our, I believe all the right things that saves. It's Christ who saves. There is a big difference there. Look at the next one. Look unto Jesus and not at our meditations, our prayers, our pious conversations, and our profitable reading, we who read the Puritans. <laughs> not looking at the holy meetings that we attend, nor even to our taking part in the supper of the Lord. Let us faithfully use all these means of grace, but without confusing them with grace itself, and without turning our gaze away from Him, who alone makes them effectual, when by their means He reveals Himself to us. God has graciously given us wonderful things to help us to see Christ, to know Christ, to remember Christ. But Manad's counsel here is, but don't get caught up in letting those things, those means of grace, sidetrack you from the object of grace itself, Christ alone. Wise counsel there. And then we'll look at a third one here. Look unto Jesus and not to our position in the Christian church. Not to the family to which we belong, not to our baptism, not to the education which we have received, not to the doctrine which we profess, not to the opinion which others have formed of our piety. You ever had someone say to you, oh, man, if anyone's a Christian, it's you. Nor to the opinion which we have formed of it ourselves. For some of those who have prophesied in the name of the Lord Jesus will one day hear him say, I never knew you. But he will confess before his father and before his angels, even the most humble of those who have looked unto him. You begin to get a sense of the very sinister ways we can be tempted to look off of Jesus here. You kind of expect when he says look off of other things and look unto Jesus, you kind of anticipate, well, of course, I need to look off of bad things. I need to look off of temptations. I need to look off of sin. And all those things are true. But the sinister nature of our tempter, of our sin nature even, is that it's, these are relatively good things, means of grace that can oftentimes become our hope in salvation, our assurance of salvation. We cling to those things and not to what? Christ himself, who he is and what he's done. 